Well, here we are, mid-July of 2020. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and they were commenting on how they felt like this uh, year has just been a really bad year. I think we all kind of agree with that somewhat. This has not been the greatest year. He had a slightly more colorful term he used for it, uh, but he kind of said he wished he could just, you know, take a nap and wake up in 2021 and just let all this stuff go by. It kind of reminds me of that old song, you know, the one from Green Day, Wake Me Up on September Ends. Uh, you know, well, I think God, I think some of us would be happy to just wake up when 2020 ends. Uh, I mean, good Lord, what has happened? Brush fires, COVID, police brutality, more COVID, riots, fires, forest fires, throw in some murder hornets and a giant dust storm. Oh, and did I mention a resurgence of COVID? And it's still 112 outside and my hand still hurts to touch the steering wheel. Yay, 2020. God, can you just press the fast forward button? Now, I know that's not how it works. You, you know, you can't just get in your DeLorean and zoom past all this. Uh, but I had hopes and dreams for the year. I was going to do some creative things. I was going to take some new pictures of something that wasn't burning. I was going to go to places and see people and I had hopes. Now those are all gone or at least they're put off until some future time. You know, even when COVID started, I thought this would just be a little blip on the map. I thought we'd be shut down for a couple months and then in June I would have a big welcome back party and we'd open up the sanctuary and we'd have a big potluck and bring in a jumping castle for the kids and you know, we just have a great old time and we'd all thank God it was all behind us and we could move on. And then it just kept going and going and now the infections are rising. And all this internet worship stuff that was just supposed to be a, a little temporary fill-in, it was just supposed to cover us for a, a few months, now it's turning into a way of life. And it wasn't what I'd hoped for. Uh, you know, but what can you do? You make the best of it. You pray a lot. You ask God to show you a new way through it. So when I pulled out my Bible to see what texts they recommended me to preach on this week, and I got to Romans 8, I was amazed how much I felt like it was talking to me, talking to us. So let's take a look here. See what the Apostle Paul had to tell his church in Rome. A church he had never been to, by the way. He had never visited it. He didn't plant it. He'd only heard of it. But he knew that life wasn't easy living right in the shadow of the Emperor Nero. So here goes. Take out your Bible if you have one at home, if you want. It's Romans 8, starting at verse 18. Paul writes, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. We're going through a, a lot, some of us a ton, and it's hard. And when you start to wonder, is this ever going to end? 
Is it going to get better? Am I going to be stuck in this rut of distancing and sitting around the house and never seeing my friends and trying to keep my kids occupied when it's 112 degrees outside? Am I going to be doing this forever? I, I think whenever we go through something tough, there's a calculation we make in our heads. Uh, we ask ourselves how long we think this is going to take. Well, you know, when the nurse gives you that vaccine shot, she always says, you know, don't worry, it'll only sting for a few seconds. And then you sit there and you say to yourself, oh, well, okay, it's only a few seconds, I don't want to get polio, I'll take the shot. I may not like measles, it may burn a little bit, but you take it because you know it's not permanent. But the length of time matters. And knowing that it's going to end matters. And knowing when it's going to end matters in your head when you're trying to calculate whether I feel like I can deal with this or not. What if we thought it wouldn't end? That it'd just go on forever? I think we would call that hell. Right now, a lot of us are kind of living in COVID hell. St. Paul tells the church, that the sufferings you are going through today are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to you in the time to come. The bad today is small change compared to the good that's in the future. And we get through the suffering today because we know that we have that glory in the future. And we're not alone. Paul says that all of creation, the whole earth, everything in it, is groaning under the hardships of life. Read this here. We're going to jump to verse 22. Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I've always loved that line. The whole creation groans. I know Mount Lemon is groaning right now under third degree burns. But this idea that everything is kind of unhappy and a little bit not quite satisfied, and that everything's kind of grumbling under its breath about the state that we live in. And of course, we're groaning too, you know, because we live in a world where we get sick and our bodies can hurt and life isn't always great that way. And we Christians look forward to the day when we and our bodies don't have to go through this. Again, I gotta mention it. It's the redemption of our bodies. Notice what Paul says, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies get renewed and fixed and saved and salvaged, whatever word you want to use, but we still get to keep them. For Paul, when the end comes, we will still have bodies. We're not ghosts, we're not spirits, we're not these sort of disembodied souls floating around waiting to spook Haley Joel Osment at a birthday party. You know, the pain we go through in our bodies doesn't make our bodies bad, but just another thing that's groaning until it gets redeemed. But it does get redeemed. Uh, verses 25, 24-25. For in hope we were saved. 
Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In spite of all that, in spite of all that we go through, the groaning, we have hope. And that's how we carry on. That's what we do. That's why we make plans to go forward, even when sometimes it doesn't look like it's going to work. Because without hope, I mean, really, what's the point? I mean, if it's all going downhill, and if all there is is just groaning and pain and frustration, then I might as well just figure out how to alleviate that pain as much as I can before I go into the uh, emptiness, meaning, empty, empty, meaningless, nothingness, dark at the end with death cab for cutie. Maybe get me, maybe if while I sit and wait, give me some chemicals to numb the pain, some distractions to make me not think about it. But hey, you know, that's all. That's all there is. I have to wonder what you do hope for if you have no hope in God. And what I think is that you just have to hope that the universe keeps going the way it is. You have to hope that it doesn't stop existing. I mean, how do you know that the things will keep going tomorrow the way they do today? How do you know it's going to hold together? Why won't some rupture of subatomic particles rip the fabric of the universe today, which is a possibility, it's a theoretical one, and it has a very low probability. I mean, you don't know what's in the future, you just have to make a working assumption that, that it's going to keep going as it is with the same rules today as tomorrow. But in a sense, that's maybe a little bit of hope because you're hoping it stays. It's just not one that maybe everybody thinks about. But it's a hope based on what? It's a hope based on an assumption. An assumption that things will be the same tomorrow as today. Which makes it very hard to hope when things start going downhill because the only way for things to get better is for things to change. And why would they do that if it just keeps going the same as it has? Our hope is based on something different. On the fact that God has promised to make this hope real. It's not based on wishful thinking, but on the Word of God. It's why when we have a pandemic, we keep painting our building. Don't know when it'll get used again, but we have hope. We have hope that it will. It's, it's why we get married, really. We don't know it will work out. We would like it to keep going the same as it does now. It will change, but, you know, we hope that it will work out. But if you have no hope that it will go, why, why invest? Why bother? You know, I was just reading in the paper, one of those advice things, you know. And the guy's, uh, the, the, it, it, the woman writing in about this guy, he's the perfect guy, but, that's how they, uh, they all start that way, right? I met this great guy, we've been living together so many years, he's the perfect guy, he's funny, we have a great time together, but... Mr. Wright won't get married. He says he doesn't believe in it. His parents went through a bad divorce, so he's convinced that if he gets married, he will be stuck, someday having to make a choice between a loveless marriage or getting divorced and losing the money, all his money and the kids. And you go, wow, 
What a pessimistic view on life. I mean, if she's the woman of your dreams, don't you have any hope that, you, you, that those are your only choices? Loveless marriage or poverty? I mean, you know, and yet, his pessimistic view doesn't keep him from moving in with this girl and telling her that he really loves her and he wants to be with her. He just doesn't want to take the plunge because he doesn't want to risk it. And I would tend to say, you've given up hope. You've given up hope. We know not all marriages work, but you always hope. Otherwise, you don't invest in anything. You don't plan. You don't take risks for the future. Oh, by the way, the advice column told her, if you really want to get married, get out. He's never getting married. So, I hope. I hope for a lot of things. A happy marriage is obviously one of them. Uh, so far, 23 years, I'm good. I hope that my kids will do well and nothing bad happens to them. I hope the fires stop here in Arizona. I hope people wear masks and take precautions and that we can pull down this coronavirus curve. I hope people will be more kind, less hateful. I hope the planet doesn't burn up or flood out. I hope that everyone connected to Lord of Grace is doing well, as well as can be, and that we can find ways to stay connected to each other. I hope churches don't close because of this. I hope no one suffers from loneliness. And I hope that when all this is done, that God will make things right in the end. Not to blow us up, but to make it good. I hope for that. And I hope for it because I read it. I didn't I hope for it because I read it in the scriptures, not because I saw the stars or something, but because God has promised us that. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, God has promised us that there is hope. Because the future is in his hands and he is the one determining the outcome. And because God is determining the outcome, we do not despair, but we have hope. God has promised us the redemption of things in the end. That in the end, he will make this right. And we have the hope in that, and that moves us forward because that is what God has promised. Amen.